Squatch Ranger Files, episode 52. I'm your host, the Squatch Ranger himself. I want to apologize to the audience. I did not put out an episode back in October. I tried a few times. Long story short, I had to upgrade some equipment, but I'm back online. I'm ready to throw some more episodes back at you, and so I'm excited to get going. So, we've expanded the show to the Anchor platform. We are very excited to be here. Anchor helps the show reach Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many, many more. We hope to grow our audience and are able to continue to bring you the latest Bigfoot reports from around the country. If you are a new listener to the show, welcome. You are now an official Squatch Ranger. Your duties include have an open mind, ask questions, trust, but confirm, and always seek the truth. Thanks for joining the show. Okay, well, like I said back in the little intro there, I didn't put out an episode in October. I tried to. It's a long story. I don't want to get into it, but the episode I was going to put out was going to be a lot different than the episode I'm putting out right now and different material. But real quick, back in October, we did have the Honubi Bigfoot Conference and Festival of 2021. I do have a YouTube video which kind of gives you a quick view of the conference. I think it's around 25 minutes long on my Squatch Ranger YouTube channel. It's called Honubi Bigfoot Conference and Festival 2021. Go watch it on YouTube. Check check it out. See what that's all about. 
They had over 60 vendors this year, which is a record for the conference and festival. Uh, the food vendors were great and excellent. Very good food. The record attendance, even with all the rain that was in the forecast, they kind of project that not very many people were going to show up because it did rain that weekend, but they had a record attendance once again. And some of the speakers were Professor Marvin Leeper, Ken Gerhardt, Lyle Blackburn, and Shelley Covington, Montana. So if you didn't go to the festival or the conference, please go to the one next year. You can meet me, and you can meet so many other Bigfoot enthusiasts around Oklahoma and around the country. Okay, back in October, me and my little group, we went to Spavanal, the Spavanal and Uchi area, and we have a great video that we put out on YouTube. It's called Spavanal and Uchi Bigfoot Investigation slash Town Hall Meeting. We had a few Bigfoot eyewitnesses from the local area of Spavanal. They came in, they told their stories, told their encounters. We listened, we documented it. It's all on the video. Go watch that video, it's awesome. I'm getting great, great positive feedback about the about that episode, about that video. So check it out. Okay, that's all the announcements for right now. I want to dive into listener comments from previous episodes. So these comments come from Squatch Ranger Files episode 51. EB writes in, Fantastic episode. Thanks for the follow-up on the Stinchcomb Refuge 2019 report. A very special place. EB. Uh, yes, Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge is a very special place. I'm going to get into that more in depth here in a little bit. Kathleen B. writes, Wow! Thank you for mentioning me. I love your channel. Thank you, Kathleen. It, it means so much to me to hear listeners and viewers out there they, that they like my channel, that they're enjoying my channel, they're enjoying the content. I've been doing this for about three years. I started on YouTube. I've expanded to Anchor. And Anchor is bringing me to new places I haven't been yet, and that's it's awesome. Anyway, I, I really want to... Um, please the audience and please the crowd and I really do want to bring you guys good Bigfoot content and so that really makes my day when I hear uh, someone out there that actually enjoys what I'm doing because I am a volunteer, I am not a professional I'm just doing this because I enjoy it and I do Tom C. writes Great report! How uncanny about the one report and your trackway found within a day apart So Tom is referring to the Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge. There is a documented report on the BFRO website. Someone did see a creature in Stinchcomb. It was back in April of 2019. And just two days before that witness saw a creature, I was in Stinchcomb. Two days prior to that, me and uh, E.B., and we were hiking around and we found tracks and we documented that. I have it on video. Two days later, an eyewitness saw a creature in Stinchcomb. That like got me, that just got me pumped up. Like I was so excited when I read that report. I was like, oh my gosh, I was just there two days before that. 
and the tracks that we videoed and we measured, maybe that was the same creature. Oh my gosh, it almost adds validity to the tracks we found and took pictures of. Like, that makes it valid. And I was like, wow, this is like piecing all together. So that was exciting and really neat. Real quick, I want to just plug that if you are out there and you have a Bigfoot encounter story of your own, please share your encounter story with us. All you have to do is email squatchranger at gmail.com. You will remain anonymous. We won't use your name unless you absolutely want us to say your name. I would like to include your story on this program and share it with other Bigfoot eyewitnesses out there and other skeptics out there because the list can just keep growing of valid Bigfoot eyewitnesses and they can't ignore it forever. Alright, so I want to get into the episode now. Today's episode, I'm labeling it Metroplex Migrating Bigfoot. Okay, so... I kind of got this idea for this episode. I was having a conversation with another gentleman that has a YouTube channel and puts out Bigfoot, Dogman, other cryptids. He more he focuses more on other cryptids and Dogman. But uh, I was having a conversation with him and telling him about some of my little encounter stories I've had in Stinchcomb, especially finding that trackway. And one of the comments I said to him was, Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge, I was trying to describe it to him because he's not from Oklahoma. And I said, Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge is such a unique place. It's so unique because it's this wildlife refuge right up against a metro area, a highly populated area, Oklahoma City area. And so, if Bigfoot are going in there and hanging out and using it as kind of a rest stop or a truck stop, I like to say, uh, the river is the interstate for the Bigfoot. The North Canadian River would be the interstate that they travel along, and Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge would be their little truck stop or their rest stop, if you will. That is so unique that Bigfoot can get that close to a major city population and still remain hidden and I just think that's fascinating, and I made the comment, it's so, so unique, and I don't think there's another place like it in the United States. And so, that got me to thinking, I need, you know what, I need to research that and look at that a little bit more in depth. Are there other big cities that have kind of like a Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge nearby, and it's just right up against, you know, basically city limits? And Bigfoot could come up to other major metroplex areas. So I did a little bit of digging. And so we're going to dive into that and talk about these different places today on this episode. So first off, I found this great article on the internet. And that's what I'm going to base the whole episode off of, is this article. Because it basically lays out everything, that all the info that I wanted, the basic information I wanted, how many miles away, and which, you know, different cities with hunting land nearby. So I found this article, it's, it's called 13 of the Best Public Hunting and Fishing Spots Near Big Cities. And I will provide a link in the description of the video. You can read the article yourself. So here's how this is going to go down. I cross-referenced these different 13 different cities in the article 
And what I did was I looked at the BFRO website and I tried to find the nearest Bigfoot sighting closest to whatever fishing or hunting spot that's mentioned in the article around these 13 different cities. So I went through the, the list and I did find some some Bigfoot sightings on the BFRO site. So everything on today's episode is based off of the BFRO uh, database, Bigfoot sightings database. Okay, so we're just going off of that. So if, I, if I'm going through the list and I say that there was a Bigfoot sighting within the region, okay, that'll, get a, that'll give one point. That'll give this, uh, that city one point. Okay, and when I say by the region, I mean, I mean like within a radius of a couple hundred miles. So it actually isn't that close, but it was in the region. Okay, so we'll give it one point for that. Now, if I'm going through the list and I say, okay, I found a Bigfoot sighting in the area, like in the exact area, in this ex- this specific wildlife refuge. Okay, we're going to give it two points. And then uh, if it's near a water source, we'll give it one point for that. And if I couldn't find a Bigfoot sighting anywhere near that major Metroplex city, zero points, of course. So... That's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to go down this list of 13 different cities, and I am going to paraphrase some BFRO Bigfoot reports that were near these cities and near these areas, and some of the BFRO reports I will just read to you. Let's dive right in. The first city is New York City. Can you believe it? The most major city of America. So in this article, it mentions the New York City Department of Environmental Watershed Lands. The distance is 20 miles from New York City. So you can drive 20 miles from New York City and you'll reach 130,000 acres to hunt. And the best species to hunt here is white-tailed deer and you can fish for largemouth bass. Wow, I was like, wow, there's something close to New York. There's hunting land close to New York City, just 20 miles? Wow. Now, I couldn't find anything specifically in that uh, watershed lands. So this is within the region. So this is just going to be a one point for this report. Okay. The closest thing I could find was a New Jersey report. It's report number 2271 class A sighting. You can look it up on the BFRO website yourself. Nearest town is New Brunswick. The year is 1969. Two teens were sitting in a parked car on a dead-end street around 9.30 at night. They were just talking. The moonlight was shining, and the witness saw two glowing red eyes. He asked the driver, What's that thing in the road? The driver turned on the headlights. The creature was hunched over about 30 to 40 feet away. It was approximately 5 feet tall, hunched over, and 6 feet tall, upright, with reddish-brown fur. It stared at them for 30 seconds, then slowly waddled away at a snail's pace. The witness guessed that the headlights ticked it off. Alright, well I really like the description the eyewitness gave in that, saying that it waddled away at a snail's pace, so it wasn't in a very big hurry, so he wasn't very concerned about the eyewitnesses. But it did leave the area. So that was the closest thing I could find to New York City. So we'll give it two points. I mean, I'm sorry, excuse me. We'll give it one point. 
And let's move on to Los Angeles, going to the West Coast, going from the East Coast to the West Coast, Los Angeles. So in the article, they mentioned the Angeles National Forest. It's a distance of 26 miles, which would which is about 694,187 acres. The best species to hunt or fish is mule, whitetail, and blacktail deer. Okay, the sighting was in the area. It was actually in this area. So we're going to give it two points for that. And this was a Class B sighting, so they didn't actually see the creature. But this is report number 14953, Class B vocalizations. The year was 2002. Two friends were hiking in the Angeles National Forest. They were hiking downhill along a dried-up creek bed towards the bottom of the hill. Once at the bottom, they hiked a bit more until the sun was starting to go down. They hiked back up along the same dried-up stream, following their own tracks from their descent. One of the hiker's tracks had a dead squirrel, and it was laid on top of the track. About the time they noticed the squirrel, the hikers heard loud banging sounds coming over the hill. When they looked, they saw tall trees swaying back and forth, and at the same time they could hear the loud banging sounds coming from the trees. When the banging sounds stopped, a very loud groan or scream sound was heard from the same area. The hikers left the area but noticed every time they would stop, the screaming continued, and every time they were walking out of the area, the noise has stopped. So yes, that's just a class B sighting. Uh, they heard noises, heard some, you know, loud groans and screams, kind of spooked them. They left the area. All right, let's move on to Houston. So this is the Anahuac National Wildlife Refuge, and it's 45 miles from Houston. It's 34,000 acres. The best species to hunt and fish is blue and green Wing teal, mottled duck, godwall, pintail, and northern shoveler. Okay, that was in the article. Okay, the closest sighting report that I could find was in the region, so that's just a one point for this place. Only one point. And this is report number 9169. It is a Class A sighting. The year is 1983. And the report is actually near the Trinity River National Wildlife Refuge. So, like I said, it's in the region. It wasn't even in the same the same wildlife refuge as the article mentioned. But I did find a sighting kind of nearby. That's why it's just a one-pointer. Nearest town is Old River Winfrey. So once again, this was in 1983. A boy was riding his bike home through the woods along a trail. The boy felt something following him in the bushes. The boy felt very uncomfortable and rushed through the trail. When he cleared the woods, he looked back to see this creature over eight feet tall with red-brown hair all over, and it had blackened skin along the facial areas. The boy started to notice an awful stench. This incident has haunted the witness, the witness's dreams ever since. Okay, so this was quite a while ago. The witness is now a grown-up. This was back when he was a kid. I really like the description of the blackened skin along the facial areas. That's interesting to me. I don't know why. I just find that interesting. Um, 
you know, we always we get reports of them being all different colors of hair and skin. So this one had black skin around the face. All right, let's move to the Midwest to Chicago. Okay, Chicago was mentioned in the article, and the closest place to fish or hunt was the De Plaines State Fish and Wildlife Area, and it's a drive from Chicago of 58 miles. It's 5,400 acres, so it's quite a bit smaller than some of these other places we've been talking about. Best species to hunt or fish is pheasant. So there's some game in the area. Okay, this sighting was actually in the area. So it gets two points. It gets two points right there. This is report number 47911, Class A sighting. The year is 1970. This is off of the BFRO website. It was in November of 1970, Thanksgiving weekend, around 2 a.m. Going west on Lorenzo Road, one or two miles west of I-55, a Bigfoot walked out in front of our car. It crossed the road real slow and had no fear of us, had burnt orange hair, stood six feet tall, had massive legs, and eyes the size of silver dollars. The eyes shone emerald green when the headlights were showing on them. The witness stated that the animal was six foot tall with long arms and massive legs. The animal crossed the road about 50 yards in front of his vehicle. The animal's fur was red colored, similar to an Irish setter dog. The animal's eyes were showing emerald green in the light from the vehicle's headlights. Okay, let's move on to San Francisco, back to the west coast. And this, this place is called the Don Edwards San Francisco Bay National Wildlife Refuge. It's only 34 miles from San Francisco, and it's 30,000 acres. The best species to hunt and fish are mallards, pintail, canvasback, redheads, Canada geese. Okay, the sighting was not in the area but from the region of San Jose. So we're gonna give it one point, okay? Also, the sighting, this Class A sighting actually comes from an old newspaper article of 1870, the Titusville Morning Herald, Pennsylvania. So this Pennsylvania newspaper is writing about a sighting in California, about sightings near the Orestimba Creek in the Diablo or Devil Mountains. The article below titled The Wild Man, What Is He? was originally published in the New York Times in 1871. Shortly afterward, this article was reprinted in the Petersburg Index, Virginia, and assumably other newspapers as well. Although the journalist was indeed writing the story from Contra Costa County, the incident he was describing happened near Orestimba Creek, which is about 10 miles to the south of Antioch, as he describes in the article. Several people have contacted us about these pre-1900 articles because some of the articles mention gorillas. Some people thought gorillas were not discovered until 1902. We suspect that many people are confused on this point. The lowland gorilla was discovered in 1847 and was widely popularized in America by adventure writer Paul du Chalou in 1867. 
The mountain gorilla, on the other hand, was not officially discovered until 1902. Mountain gorillas are larger and more charismatic, and thus get more media attention these days, but they were definitely not the first gorillas to be discovered. Okay, let's move on to Detroit. And in the, according to the article, the best place to go to hunt or fish is Lake St. Clair. It's six miles from Detroit. That's really close to being like Stinchcomb Wildlife for Oklahoma City. It's 430 square miles. Wow, that is really big. Best species to hunt or fish are wood ducks, bass, and muskie. But there were no reports anywhere close to this area, so Detroit gets zero points. Cue the music. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on to Dallas. Okay, kind of like Detroit, what was mentioned in the article for Dallas is White Rock Lake. So another body of water. It's only five miles from Dallas. It's 1,088 acres, so this is very similar in size to Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge, so I'm really hopeful about this one. Oh man, maybe this is the gold mine that I've been waiting for. Best species to hunt fish? Largemouth bass. But yet again, like Detroit, there was no report anywhere close to this area, so I'm giving Dallas zero points. They are not like the Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge like it is in relation to Oklahoma City. Okay, let's move on to Philadelphia. The John Hines National Wildlife Refuge at Tinicum. Okay, it's only 10 miles from Philadelphia. It's 1,000 acres. The best species to hunt are fish, catfish, bass, carp. So the distance and the size, very, very similar to the Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge in relation to Oklahoma City. But yet again, three strikes and you're out. Philadelphia had no reports from this area. There just weren't, wasn't any reports close to the Philadelphia Metroplex area that I could find on the BFRO website. So I'm giving Philadelphia zero points. I might have a lot of people uh, write in that are angry with me saying that I didn't find reports around some of their cities. And uh, I, I looked, guys. I tried. I really did. Okay, we're moving to Miami. Now, this this uh, wildlife management area is pretty kind of far from Miami, but but it actually is a hot spot. Wow, I was like so impressed with this area. The Miami area has the Big Cypress National WMA. It's 77 miles. Maybe an hour and 15 minute drive, maybe an hour and a half. It's 565,848 acres, so it's very big. The best species to hunt and fish is white-tailed deer. So it's got some game in the area for Bigfoot to munch on. The report is from the area. It is a hot spot. There were several reports, but I only took one. So there were several reports in this area. It, it, it's a hot spot, guys. This area was awesome. I guess we're talking about the skunk ape here, huh? This report number is 2856. It's a Class A sighting. And once again, this is... I got this from the BFRO website. You can look it up for yourself. And this is a paraphrase. So you can read the whole article. 
All you have to do is look up number 2856 on the BFRO website. Two drywallers, a father and son, were sent on a special job in the Everglades by the developer Bocotica. The developer had a couple of hunting cottages there, and the job shouldn't take more than a few days. As they started taping the cottages and getting to work, the son started to hear something rummaging around out in the bush. He couldn't see anything, but there was a strong odor similar to a pig. He assumed it to be a wild boar. They worked till dark, started a campfire, and the dad was cooking bacon and beans on the campfire. The son could hear more rummaging around in the Everglades. The sound seemed to be getting nearer. The son thought if this was anything the size of a wild boar, his 22 mag probably would not be effective. So he stood up to walk to his car to get the carbines. As he stood, he saw two eyes about 20 feet away. The sun started narrowing down what type of animal it could be. At first he thought it was an owl and then a bear. He was looking straight into the eyes and the sun was standing on a gravel pad two and a half to three feet tall. Whatever he was looking at was eight to nine feet tall. He didn't feel the creature was threatening and the face looked more human than of a bear or ape. He described the face as looking more like an Australian Aboriginal. The son stated that he could see the skin of the creature and that it didn't have thick fur. The creature had longer, wispy-like strands. The hair looked more like an orangutan. The father and son ended up running into the cottage and stayed there for the remainder of the evening. The son did look around the next morning for any signs or evidence of the creature. He didn't really find any tracks left behind by the creature. The father never stated that he saw the creature. So the father was there, but he would not admit to seeing the creature even though he perhaps did. You know, there's people like that out there, they're just, you know, stubborn maybe is the word. And even though he saw the creature, he was never going to admit it to anyone. Not even his son, I guess, according to BFRO report. Very interesting. So once again, if you want to read the whole report, that was just a condensed version. Go to the BFRO website, and that was report number 2856. Let's move on to the Rocky Mountains, to Denver. The Pike National Forest is only 47 miles from Denver, it is 1.1 million acres. Wow. That is a lot of hunting land. Best species to hunt and fish is elk and trout. And this sighting that I found was in the area, so it does get two points. And it is report number 7225. It is a Class A sighting. The year is 1978. And this was actually in the Pike National Forest. A mother and father took their family to Wellington Lake for a picnic. The husband and wife were having a conversation when a white Bigfoot creature peeked around a boulder in view for the wife to see. The wife told the husband to look. He turned around and didn't see the creature. The white Bigfoot peeked around the boulder again and once more the wife noticed the creature. The wife told the husband to look again, and once again did not see the creature. 
This happened about five times more, and then the creature was gone. The creature was partially bipedal and then would stoop like an ape and touch the ground. It had a human-like feeling about it, because it was obviously playing some sort of a game with me. I have never told anybody except for people I trust not to make fun of me. I was a resident in the area for many years and I knew what wildlife was there. Nothing came close to this creature. I've seen mountain lion, bobcats, lynx, badgers, deer, elk, bear, and many more creatures in that area, but nothing like this. Also noticed, the creature was very quiet, light on his or her feet. It was not as large as Bigfoot, and the fur was pure white like a polar bear. I did not get a clear vision of its face. This was not a polar bear. We lived in Colorado, where there were only black bears. In addition, the creature was obviously clever and had a sense of humor and intelligence that was human-like. Again, it was not incredibly tall, maybe 5'9 or so. It wasn't a person playing a prank either. It was too agile and too fast, and that area is a wilderness area. Very difficult for a human to scammer around so quickly over boulders and up mountains, etc. Okay, we're moving back to uh, Bigfoot country, Seattle, up in Washington. Let's see what the North, the Great Northwest has to offer here. This is Seattle, Lake Washington. It's nine miles from Seattle. It's 21,933 acres. The best species to hunt are fish, coastal cutthroat trout, bass, yellow perch, and black crappie. The closest report was in the area, but not actually on Lake Washington. So I'll still give it two points, but it wasn't actually on Lake Washington. But it was very close in the area. This is report number 1390. It is a Class A sighting. The year is 1991. Very early in the AM, what I first thought was a bear digging on the shore with its hand or paw, I guess looking for clams or small crabs. I was doing some fishing and walked to the bank down a small trail when I spotted it. I thought it was a bear, so I stopped and slowly started to walk back up the trail. I walked about five yards and turned to see if it was following or had left. When I stopped and turned around to see this bear, it stood up on its hind legs and looked right at me. It was not a bear. It was about seven to seven and a half feet tall. It walked very quickly to the north and disappeared into the brush and trees. I was scared to follow it and in shock. I do not believe in Bigfoot. I still am not sure what it was I saw. It may have been a bear, but it looked like a large hairy man. No neck to speak of, or really any hair on the face. And it walked upright, taking strides as a man. This was in 1999. I no longer live in Washington, but now in Colorado. When I saw the creature go into the forest, I stayed frozen for a good 15 minutes listening to hear if it might be coming. After then, I walked over to where it had been. There were only two footprints of any real detail in the rocky sand. I wear a size 13. These were 15 to 16 inches, five toes, no claws or pad prints like a bear. 
I am an ordained Assemblies of God minister, and I do not wish to get involved in this kind of stuff, but my wife said I should tell someone. I have two pictures of the footprints, one with my shoe next to it for comparison. As I said, I do not really believe in Bigfoot, I just don't know what it was. My mother-in-law believes in these things, and has shown these pictures to a newspaper. Now, when I was looking on the BFRO website and getting this report, I couldn't find the pictures, so I'm actually interested in seeing them. Okay, let's move back closer to Oklahoma, to Oklahoma City, where I am. We're going to go to Kansas City. So, from where I live, it's still a five-hour drive, but I feel like it's closer than, you know, New York City or Los Angeles. (laughs) So, I feel a little bit more at home with this report. And I was really hopeful that this was going to be, like, so Oklahoma City to Stinchcomb Wildlife-like. So let's find out. So in Kansas City, they have a place called Baltimore Bend Conservation Area. It's 67.5 miles from Kansas City, so a little bit over an hour. It's 1,202 acres. Stinchcomb Wildlife is 1,000 acres, so very similar in size, but the distance is too far to be stinchcomb-like. The best species to hunt or fish is white-tailed deer. And to my surprise and my shock, there were no sightings in this area, nowhere near Kansas City. So I was I was kind of disappointed by that. I was shocked. I was surprised. Kansas already, yeah, it doesn't have like the most Bigfoot reports. There are Bigfoot reports in Kansas, believe it or not. Finding Bigfoot even went to Kansas and did an episode, but Kansas City is, you know, there is a side that's in Missouri, and Missouri, you know, if you ever drive through Missouri, it does look very squatchy. So I was kind of hopeful, but no, no Bigfoot sightings, like, super close to Kansas City. So I gave it zero points. Okay, let's move to St. Louis. St. Louis, Missouri. Speaking of Missouri... Okay, so this is a major city, St. Louis, has the arches, has the river, and uh, it has the August A. Bush Conservation Area. This conservation area is only 33 miles from St. Louis, and it's 6,987 acres. The best species to hunt or fish is white-tailed deer and mallards. Okay, so this is about a half hour from St. Louis. And it's about 7,000 acres. Pretty good size there. And I couldn't find a report actually in the August 8 Bush Conservation Area. I was, man, I was really trying to find a Bigfoot report off the BFRO website in this specific conservation area. Couldn't find one. But however, I did find one in the area in a different conservation area around St. Louis. And this one's called the Howell Island conservation area it's 30 miles from st louis about the same distance and it's 2547 acres so it's uh, about twice the size of stinchcomb and hunting and fishing fishing is permitted in the missouri river which borders the north side of the island for five miles as well as the centaur chute Hunting is permitted during hunting season, provided that regulations are followed. Deer hunting is permitted by archery only. 
So you can fish in the river, you can hunt here by bow archery only. This is report number 1356. It's a class A sighting. The year is 1976. By the way, I'm going to give St. Louis two points. I'm going to give it two points for for having a Bigfoot sighting on the BFRO website in this area, in the St. Louis area, and I'm going to give it a one point for having the Missouri River, and that's very Stinchcomb-like because of Stinchcomb has the North Canadian River, kind of goes goes through there and and uh, around Oklahoma City, and then also St. Louis has the Missouri River. So I'm giving it three points. So I think that's the first one on the list that I'm giving three points. The year is 1976. My husband and I were jugging at the Missouri River. We had the jugs all set out, and we were floating down behind them. When we saw something big and hairy on the bank getting a drink. At first, we could not see it that well, but the closer we got, the better we could see it. It stood upon two legs and looked around for a few minutes. It did not see us at first, and it did not hear us because we had the motor off, and I guess he finally saw us because he walked back up the bank into the tree area. As he was walking, we could see trees falling. It looked like some type of machinery was going through there, knocking them down. But there was no noise other than the sound of the trees being knocked down. All my husband and I could do was look at each other. I guess because neither one of us could believe what we saw for years. We did not tell anyone because we did not want anyone to think we were crazy. They observed it drinking water by cupping one hand and placing it to its mouth. This continued as they drifted closer. The speed in which it walked was described to me as about the same speed as the Sasquatch in the Patterson-Gimlin film. After disappearing into the woods, trees were heard being knocked down or broken for approximately one minute. Also noted was the presence of a wet, musky smell, like a wet dog, when they were at the closest point of their encounter. The Sasquatch was described as about six to seven feet tall, having very dark brown, almost black appearing hair, which was approximately five to six inches long. The hair was not matted or in any disarray, just hanging lengthwise down the body. No hair was seen on the palms of the hands, around the face, between the forehead and mouth, or on the bottoms of the feet. The couple described it as very manlike in appearance. Okay, so that is the entire list, guys, off of that article of 13 best places to hunt and fish in major cities. So that was 13 major cities across the U.S. And I'm going to give this report another one point. So now it now has four points. And I'm going to give it another point because we do have a sighting report at Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge. It was actually featured on Finding Bigfoot Season 3, Episode 3. One of the guys in our group, he was floating the river with his wife when they saw one at night along the North Canadian River in Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge. And so this St. Louis report, they were floating the river. They were jugging, as they called it. They were floating the river. So I'm giving it an extra point. You know what? I'm going to throw in two points. So it it is up to five points. 
for me, St. Louis is the most stinchcomb-like place in the United States, just based off of this article and based off of BFRO citing reports. So, once again, that was that was St. Louis, and this is the Howell Island Conservation Area. I'm going to say, right here on Squatch Ranger Files, episode 52, for right now, that's the most stinchcomb-like to Oklahoma City-like, for me, St. Louis to Howell Island Conservation Area. And I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode, shame on me, I was going to give you the uh, statistics of Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge. Stinchcomb from Oklahoma City is actually 14 miles from the center of Oklahoma City, but there is a small, smaller community, a smaller suburb called Bethany, Oklahoma, and the Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge is actually 3.2 miles from Bethany, suburb of Oklahoma City. And Stinchcomb is around 1,000 1, acres. And I'm just going to leave the episode with this. I, I live in the Tulsa area, and so I was thinking, hey, is there any place where I live around Tulsa? And I've thought this before, but I've never really talked about it with anybody very much. I've never had a conversation, but... In Tulsa, we have the Tulsa Zoo, and right next door to the Tulsa Zoo is this place called Mohawk Park. And I thought, well, certainly Stinchcomb Wildlife Refuge is bigger than Mohawk Park. This is a city park. And I looked it up on the internet, and Mohawk Park is twice as big as Stinchcomb. It's 2,000 acres. Now, it's just a city park. You can't hunt in there. But we have, yeah, we have Mohawk Park. It has tons of trails that you can walk. I've, I've walked back there. You can spend a whole day hiking back there. And the creek name is Bird Creek. It flows right to the north of the Mohawk Park. So once again, Mohawk Park is 2,000 acres. That's the closest place for me. Now, there are no BFRO Bigfoot sightings out of Mohawk Park. I've never heard of anybody seeing a Bigfoot in Mohawk Park. I think a Bigfoot could be following that creek, Bird Creek. I think they, it could be a, definitely be a rest stop. And they could hang out in Mohawk Park and not be spotted or not be seen. I very well think they could. There's a recreation lake in Mohawk Park. They also have Yahola Lake nearby, kind of butting up against it. So there are some water sources. They do have the creek. That is very Stinchcomb-like, uh, and that's in the same state. Okay, Tulsa and Oklahoma City. So I'm in Tulsa, but once again, it's not known for Bigfoot sightings. There were a couple of guys hiking in Mohawk Park, and they actually submitted some photos to my organization that I'm in a part of, the Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization. They wrote into our Facebook page, they submitted some pictures of some interesting tree structures and stuff like that. And that was very interesting. We reviewed them. We looked over them. We weren't quite sure what to think. But um, definitely, I there's no official Bigfoot sightings in Mohawk Park. But that would be the most closest thing that Tulsa has to offer that would be like Stinchcomb Wildlife Management Area. All right, guys, that's the episode for today. Please write in. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Please let me know of other major cities with with little wildlife management areas up close, up next to city limits. 
that actually have documented Bigfoot reports or if there's like Bigfoot stories that you personally know of in a place that's up against a city like this, please write in, let me know. And uh, anyway, happy squatching, guys. I'll see you around.